1: what a great show today you don't want to miss a second we have larry elder to talk about all the things that are going on in california tim kennedy is our guest the sheepdog mentality we also have bill o'reilly to talk about the um, uh the events of the week and we begin with the texas abortion law wait until you hear about the heroes
2: all on today's podcast. Don't forget to go to blaze slash Glenn to uh, get your subscription to Blaze TV. Promo code is Glenn. You'll save 10 bucks. Please subscribe to this podcast and Stu Does America as well right on this podcast platform. You can rate and review. Five stars is the appropriate number of stars. And to celebrate the incredible accomplishments of our president, Joe Biden, don't forget he's been named the Islamic Emirate of Afghanistan's person of the year, Taliban Joe Biden, available at talibanjoemerch.com. The best of
3: the Glenn Beck program.
1: The Democrats are concerned that there might be some funny business going on with the voting machines. They're not sure this vote will be secure. Uh, We'll bring up to speed on uh, on that. And it's a good thing. You know, these progressives, California leads the way they lead the way. okay. and it is I am so happy to see that California finally is, you know, since what, 1849, finally has a legitimate candidate that is black, but he's racist. I mean, I don't know if you saw this. I I don't remember the news source. Uh, I think it was Babylon something. Apparently, they have a photo of Larry Elder in his in his uh, high school yearbook, with blackface, no. <laughs> how could you possibly
2: have that guy in California? Actually, I think that's the way you get to be a governor in this country right now. <sighs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that's you know, actually going to be a
1: real positive for You him. might be. You mm-hmm. might be. Or you could just go to Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, let me give you a, a couple of uh, pieces of news here. Um, let's uh, stay on the abortion thing for just a minute. Cut four. This is Saki. Uh, answering an abortion question. Listen to this.
0: Following up on the Texas law, why does the president support abortion when his own Catholic faith teaches abortion is morally wrong? No.
3: He believes that it's a woman's right, it's a woman's body, and it's her choice.
0: Why does the president? Who does he believe then should look out for the unborn
3: child? He believes that it's up to a woman to make those decisions uh, and up to a woman to make those decisions with her doctor. I know you've never faced those choices, nor have you ever been pregnant. But for women out there who have faced those choices, this is an incredibly difficult thing. The president believes their rights should be respected. Go ahead. I think we got to move on. Wow! I am
1: so offended. I am so offended. How dare them! Mm. Men can be pregnant, too, and a man who has been pregnant several times... Lieutenant Colonel Scott Mann. Uh, I'm hearing now he's not been pregnant several times. Well, I don't know what's wrong with him. Former Green Beret commander and leader of Task Force Pineapple. Welcome to the welcome to the program, Scott. How are you?
0: Let me get my sec- my breath for a second. Uh, I'm ready.
1: <laughs> oh, you have breathing exercises. Are you pregnant now? Is that? Reading. <laughs> reading yeah how are you i'm very good hey uh i had um i have tim kennedy on uh today on my podcast and i was talking to him yesterday and you know the the suicide rate is already crazy of uh of afghani um war fighters uh on our side yeah. and um he he I said to him, you know, I just was talking to a guy who's on my staff. He's my chief researcher. He was a Marine. He was one of the first people in. He was off the coast of um, uh, Australia when the towers fell. And so he was one of the first people in. And yesterday I'm talking to him. And all of a sudden, he just gets choked up and starts to cry. And we weren't talking about things that were that um he just he just said you know uh, so i just question what i've done i just question everything uh, can we talk about yeah. that scott how can we yeah, help you know
0: you know the, the the i'm seeing the same thing with our volunteers who you know the the, the on the pineapple express who these retired special operators um combat infantrymen marines who volunteered to help their brothers and sisters who they had served with they got retriggered again i mean i talked with a vietnam veteran yesterday glenn who's basically had to watch um saigon fall twice mm. you know um and you know the the level of moral injury that our veteran population and their families and our gold stars have endured post 911 alone You know, eight hundred thousand who fought in Iraq. It it is, it is, it is really rough. And when you see, you know, people are, I think people are astounded to see the way we come together around honoring this promise. But I think it's because people finally are hungry for something that gives meaning to what we did. And that's why I sent you that, you know, the man in the arena is because the only person that gets to assign meaning to a lived experience in combat is the person who lived it. And that's important to remember.
1: So for, for people who don't know, um, can you just quickly tell the story of, uh, you know, Pineapple Rescues, what you guys have done?
0: Yeah, sure. I mean, it just started with one friend of mine named Nazam, who I'd served with in Afghanistan. He was an Afghan commando. He went to our, Af- uh, our American Green Beret course. He had applied for his SIV visa, it didn't get approved, and he was in duress hiding in his uncle's um, apartment in Kabul. And it was clear he was going to be executed as, as Kabul was overrun by the Taliban. So a couple of us, Green Berets, ABC reporter James Meek, and uh, Congressman Waltz's staffer, we got together on the phone and we just started uh, coordinating and we found a plan uh, to basically help get people to help move him through the city get him close to the gate. We called people inside the gate and and started coordinating that way. They recognized that this guy was a commando. He needed to be pulled in, and they gave him the word pineapple as a code word, and he used it, got pulled through, and that is how we got to be known as Task Force Pineapple, and then we just brought other SEALs, other Green Berets into our midst. Task Force Duncourt did the same thing, Team America, and it was just a group of volunteers who were working to save their brothers and sisters in honor of promise, And, and it was all about just you know, fulfilling on what we said we would do the way they showed up for us.
1: So when you um, when you said earlier, I want you to go into moral injury. You're the first person that I have heard say this, and it has really stuck with me. But I'd like you to explore that and explain the moral injury that is happening uh, to right now to almost everybody who has fought at all in Afghanistan.
0: Yeah, I mean, a moral injury, you know, is, is I think is one of the worst injuries that we can incur, uh, whether it's in combat or not. And because it's the kind of injury injury that scars the soul, you know, and, and there's no deeper wound than that when the soul is scarred, when you when you have to take action that runs counter to your moral compass. And, you know, combat throws the, that at us all the time and, and politicians make it particularly uh, challenging because of the policies and bureaucrat, bureaucratic approaches that they lay on top of, you know, what should be, you know, the humanity of honoring a promise. And again, this, this, this is, this is every administration I served under for the whole Afghan War. We faced moral injury after moral injury as we executed our orders. And and now, though, I think this is the ultimate. I mean, any veteran will look at this. I think any citizen will look at this and go, Oh no, no, no. This is what my parents taught me when I was in yeah, You don't lead. And, and to violate that, I believe if we violate this, if we don't stand together as a nation, we are running off a cliff cliff towards, you know, an abyss of moral injuries that will haunt us the rest of our days, both as a collective and as individuals.
1: Scott, I don't know if you've ever heard me say this before. The audience is so probably so sick of hearing this story, but it is so, It, it I understand it fully right now. When I went over to Auschwitz, I talked to a, uh, one of the righteous among the nations. She was 16 years old. She started saving Jews with her mom and dad um, because of her. She, when I asked her um, about 10 years ago, what do we do to to water that seed that's in all of us? She said to me, you misunderstand the righteous didn't suddenly become righteous. They just refused to go over the cliff with everyone else. This is what you're, this is what you're talking about. Now, these people, all of us know what our parents taught us, what we don't leave people behind. Our word is our bond, all of these things. And if we accept this, we will go over the cliff with the rest of humanity. It is so important for people to stand and do not move from that principle.
0: Once you do, you, it's very hard to come back. It's very, And this is not about Republican or Democrat, mask or no mask. This is about a level of humanity and doing what our gut and our solar plexus tells us to do. Oh. Our body knows what. and we have to trust that
1: okay so scott you are let's i'm just putting myself now into somebody who's currently serving and you had to stand there and your gut said this is wrong but you did the right thing by not uh violating a legal order from the president we we have to have that discipline in our military so what do they do to get past this and how can we help
0: yeah i I think a lot this is my belief is i think a lot of it has to do with storytelling i think that you know societies for thousands of years have used storytelling to assimilate i mean that's actually the nonprofit that i run and what i've focused my eight years on since retirement before all this happened and i can't wait to get back to is helping our warriors tell the story i mean they need the the scars i call it the generosity of scars you know the scars they've endured um are are actually are are healing and and in the form of stories can help guide the rest of us to to better days and show us what leadership looks like. Our veterans are doing that now. And I think as a society, the more that we can uh, empower our veterans to tell us their stories and to listen to their wisdom, to the lived experience that they've been through. I mean, it's, you know, the scars that we have are, are the greatest assets we have in this world and, and veterans right now are pushing them down because they think that there's something wrong with them or they think that there's something, you know, um, immoral about them. And they, the, the fact of the matter is they're the finest humans on the planet. Yeah. And as, as a society, we need to give them the permission and the stage and the microphone, however that shakes out, to tell those stories and share them with us and and come home. You know, we never even let our Vietnam veterans come home. And, oh, no. and, and this is, I believe, narrative and, and story exchange is one of the most powerful things we can do as a society.
1: I, I will tell you, I, one of my one of my, one of my more powerful memories is probably 20 years ago. Now is right after, uh, 9, 11, we were sending people into war and I did something called, what was that, uh, Stu America? Uh, I don't remember, but we went across the nation and I, in the whole rally, rally for America. And it was, yeah. the whole point was we cannot dishonor if we are going to choose to go to war. We have to be for, there for our soldiers in the good times and bad, and we must not repeat the mistakes of, of Vietnam. And we did, a big, yeah. we did a big event, and I remember a Vietnam veteran coming up to me, and he shook my hand. And it was the first time that anybody had shook my hand, and you know how you do the um, uh, challenge coins. But his was his medal uh, from Vietnam. And he shook my hand, and in tears, he said, "This is the first time I have felt welcomed home since Vietnam." Yeah,
0: yeah. you know that's true, Glenn. And you know, I actually for for the storytelling piece, I wrote a play about the war uh, called Last Out. This was before any of this happened through our nonprofit. And to complete my midlife crisis, I, I I started acting with a group of other combat veterans, and we took it on the road, and we went to all these different cities, and we would. And the whole idea was to do storytelling, like, you know, old school storytelling from the stage so that people in the audience could actually experience and feel, you know, what my character, Master Sergeant Danny Patton, the Green Beret, and his family went through in this long war and, and his relationship with the Afghans. Now it's very haunting to see it. But but we, I can't tell you that the one Green Beret Sergeant Major's sister, she stood up and she said in our talk back, you know, thank you for showing me in 90 minutes what my baby brother's been trying to tell me for five years. Hmm. And you know it really is in the realm of narrative that that we can heal and and we 're going to have to find a way to do that we 're going to have to find a way to do that as a nation we 're going to have to find a way to do that for our veterans. Um, you know, and I'm really looking to, I I hope that our political leaders, I hope that our thought leaders will look at what our combat veterans are doing right now. You know, while everybody else has gotten really furious, they've gotten to work and they're showing us, they're literally showing us in real time what leadership looks like. I mean, they're modeling it for us in spite of all that they've been through. Some of them are re-triggering themselves in order to honor this promise. And I just hope that we take note of it and we steer away from that cliff as a collective because it, it, it could it could be our last chance and I know that's dramatic but I'm not even kidding.
1: I, I agree with you um, Lieutenant uh, Colonel Scott Mann retired former Green Beret commander leader of Task Force Pineapple you can follow him uh, at Rooftop Leader on Twitter and his website OperationRecovery.org Scott thank you so much for being on the program You're listening to the
2: best of the Glenn Beck Program
1: We have Hurricane Ida to uh, cover. And uh, and Bill, your take on Ida and how things are going. Well, I got
4: whacked by it uh, driving out to Eastern Long Island on um, what was it? Uh, Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the intensity of these storms um, is obviously something that people should pay attention to. And I'm I'm not buying into the global warming is making the storms worse. That's the corporate media. Mm -hmm. They're they're telling you that. I mean, if you look at the history, the worst hurricane in U.S. history was 1900 in Galveston, Texas. Correct. Ten thousand people died. Ten thousand. And there wasn't there aren't cars then. I mean, maybe it was the cow gas that did it. I don't (laughs) I don't know. Um, But I think that people should pay attention um, to the elements. And, well, you know, the people that say, oh, I'm going to stay on uh, Forche Island in Louisiana and I'm not going to leave.
1: Well, you're going to die. Then. You know, here's the here's the problem. Um, yeah. This is, I believe, a government created problem. People didn't live in these dangerous places on the coast because the insurance, private insurance was too expensive. And so and in some places they would not insure things and people raised holy hell and the progressive said the government should be the insurance policy for all of these places. No, you should. I mean, New Orleans has had so much money poured into that city and it's never spent cleanly and usually not even spent on things that would help that city. Not go underwater all the time. There's only so much you can do. They get a good job with the
4: levies after Katrina. I think you have to give the government credit for that. And the Army Corps is a good outfit. I mean, they can come in. But you're absolutely right when you say if you're going to buy a house on the sand on the Gulf Coast, it's just when, not if, you're going to get it. And then if you're looking around for somebody to bail you out, that's not really right.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've been to Galveston. Galveston is a really nice place. You know, I really like it. It's got some it has some really cool things to it. But, you know, it says hurricane zone everywhere. And the last place I would buy a place if I wasn't going to be bailed out by the federal government Uh, The last place I would buy a place would be Galveston because I know it's going to get hit by a hurricane and then I'm going to have to rebuild it. And it's beautiful and it's got some old, great buildings. But guys, it's not the place to invest your money over and over and over again.
4: Well, the last place I would buy is Malibu. And I'm not going to want my money to go to rebuild Barbara Streisand's house. She lives in the woods in Malibu. The woods are going to burn down, Barbara. Okay. And if they burn down, then I don't want to have to pay to rebuild your house. Right. Because the woods are going to burn down. Uh,
1: it's, it's, and, it's, I mean, it's insane. It's insane. Right. Every year it's the same story. And it is the federal government's problem. Uh, They are the ones who are causing much of this harm because of of all of the bailouts and all of the insurance. Go ahead. Yeah, we can't tell the people
4: out. There should be zones that are designated high risk. And then if you want to buy there, you're on your own. Some Friday, Friday, not today, but uh, remind me to tell you how I saved Dick Van Dyke in Malibu in a fire.
1: Oh, I got to hear that story. Not today, but I do have to hear that story. Um, uh, bill,
4: to remind you.
1: Okay, Bill, let's go to Texas, and yeah. what the president says is an all-out assault on law and order—the heartbeat bill—and
4: the president will receive communion in a Roman Catholic church on Sunday. And I'll just remind everybody how that is happening is just
1: beyond me i mean you are a catholic and you go to church every sunday so uh you you know
4: all i know is that the roman catholic church one of the most grievous sins so bad that you're excommunicated is abortion yet every time i turn around that catholic guy joe biden is saying i i want to make abortion easier I wanna have abortion up to birth. You know, if you panic three hours before you're supposed to deliver, you can kill the baby. This is Joe Biden. So I don't know, I mean, look, I'm a sinner. I'm not judging anybody. I'm just a little confused about how the Roman Catholic Church is dealing with Joe Biden. I'm a little confused. Now, let's get to the Texas law. So the law is really an interesting situation. Because it doesn't provide criminal penalties right. for any physician who aborts a fetus after a heartbeat is detected. That's They did that on purpose, because if they had, then the Supreme Court would have ruled that law unconstitutional. All right, Everybody should understand that's where you start. So Texas is not saying we're putting doctors in jail if they abort after fetal heartbeat is detected. What they are saying is that anyone can sue the doctor in civil court if the physician does that. So rule of law and all this other business isn't really what the, uh, the situation is all about. What this about is about is states' rights. That's what the five Supreme Court justices ruled. that Texas has a right to make laws that protect the unborn, but it doesn't have a right to do it in a criminal way. It's a civil action
1: right. It okay. gives you standing to sue the doctor that does it. It's an interesting theory. I don't know win. I don't I don't know what kind of uh, what kind of problems this I don't think it's gonna stand, but I wonder what kind of problems if it did uh, that could open the door for. Uh, but I, uh, you know, it's a valiant effort. The the, the the thing to me is, first of all, Jen Psaki. Do we have the audio of Jen Psaki uh, just beating down a reporter uh, that, that asked that, that Catholic question of Joe Biden? Listen to this. Following
3: up
5: on the yeah, sexist I, law, why does
0: the president support abortion when his own Catholic faith teaches abortion is morally wrong? No.
3: He believes that it's a woman's right, it's a woman's body, and it's her choice. Why does
0: the president, who does he believe then, should look out for the unborn child?
3: He believes that it's up to a woman to make those decisions, uh, and up to a woman to make those decisions with her doctor. I know you've never faced those choices, nor have you ever been pregnant, but for women out there who have faced those choices, this is an incredibly difficult thing. The president believes their rights should be respected. Should Go should, ahead. I think we got to move on.
1: I find this amazing uh, because they were just arguing that men could be pregnant. And now, of course, no, this is a woman's right. to. This is an attack on a woman. What about all the men that could get pregnant as well? And that's a serious question. Yeah, I'm confused
4: about the uh, birthing person. Yeah. I kind of don't really understand that. I called my old high school biology teacher. Ugh. how come you didn't present this right i i you know a birthing person we didn't have that anyway this is the pc uh woke culture that jen saki embraces uh in a very enthusiastic way so uh, you don't you dare ask a question about abortion if you are not a female or a birthing person, person. um and, but do you have to get a license to be a birthing person how does that I don't, know how I, don't know. I
1: don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I
4: don't know. I checked my birth certificate. And it said yeah. male.
1: But if something it
4: is if, a slash birthing person,
1: if something is alive well, and coming out of me as a man, I would call maybe at least police officers or an army special somebody. Just you should have more people in the room than just a doctor because I have no idea what's coming out of me. Um, let me change it wait,
4: wait, back back back. Yeah. But. I saw that in Alien Three. I know, I know. Weber.
1: I know. Some
4: I saw, and then some alien came right out of the
1: I car. know. That's why I say you need to have military is that a there.
2: Surfing person.
1: Let me uh, let me change the subject to Joe Biden. He is uh, he is now giving a press conference as we speak. On uh, the delta variants and how the delta variants are a drag on our economy, and the only reason why we haven't added more jobs. The jobs report for August has just come out, and it is abysmal. Uh, they were expecting almost a uh, three quarters of a million, got about a quarter of a million. He is again coming out and saying, I've added more jobs in my first uh, my first quarter of presidency than any other president. That's that's like that. That's like the white star line uh, saying, you know what? Yeah, but we also the Carpathia showed up and we also saved more people. Your ship went down. And also, of course, he did. The entire economy was turned off. His baseline is April 2020 at the height
4: of the shutdown in the pandemic. That's his baseline. For adding jobs. So, I mean, it would be like, um, hey, uh, I had the highest batting average in major league history because I was hitting zero, zero, 000, but I got one hit my first three and I raised my batting average 333 points. Right. It's the same con. Yeah. But the American people are so distracted, so exhausted. I do believe people are exhausted. I now. do too matter what you say and, and the, of course the media the corrupt media oh yeah that's right joe biden he's a big and and the final thing is most of the people who would take the jobs aren't still not looking because they're
1: still on the gravy train right? well he is just saying i'm watching listening to you and i'm watching the uh, text of his remarks and he's just saying one of the problems is You know, uh, employers are not willing to pay enough money, and you know they got to cough up more money. I
4: pay more than them. I pay you not to work, and they won't top it. They won't top it. Oh, I know. I mean, but this is what socialism is. But you, Beck, let me ask you a serious question here, okay? Do you think that right now, as Joe Biden addresses the nation, that he knows what he's talking about?
1: no, but I don't know if he's ever known what he was talking about. It's just worse now because you've added senility to it. So, uh, Bill O'Reilly I, I, from BillO'Reilly.com, "Killing the Mob" is his latest book that is out. If you haven't subscribed to BillO'Reilly.com, I urge you to do that. Don't don't say I miss him on TV. You can see the no spins. On, you see it. You see it. All you have to do is I join bet, him you at BillO'Reilly.com. I don't know, but that was a good interruption. That helped. I, you
4: were very very kind to promote BillO'Reilly.com, but yeah. I have to add one more thing oh, that God. I don't think you understand. <laughs> I am better looking now
1: than I was on the Fox News Channel. Wow! And that is just more
4: incentive.
1: And you are I, you are calling I, Joe Biden senile and out of touch. <laughs> uh, Bill, thank you so much. God bless you. Thank you very much. This is the best of the Glenn Beck Program. Welcome to the program, Larry. How are you?
5: Glenn, I'm good. Thank you for having me.
1: Holy cow, I have never seen uh, anything quite like it. Here is the most progressive state uh, who claims that they want equality for all and they care about the plight of the black man, blah, 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 and they want to break all the barriers, But my gosh, not if you're Larry Elder.
5: That's right. Uh, just in the last week, I think it's Glenn, I've been called, let's see, a gun toting, uh, non tax paying, women hating black face of the white supremacy. That's exactly oh what the LA Times headline God. was.
1: That's the wait wait wait, the. wait, 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 wait. That's the LA Times?
5: LA Times headline verbatim, Glenn. I kid you not. Oh, my gosh. So Larry Elder is the black face of white supremacy, sub headline You've been warned. End of quote.
1: Mm. Oh, my gosh.
5: And God forbid somebody like Larry Elder should support choice in education, which black and brown parents want, according to polls. God forbid Larry Elder should oppose state mandated um, vaccines and mask wearing for state workers, uh, which the polls suggest that state workers oppose. God forbid Larry Elder should do something about the outrageous cost of living. We just hit $800,000 average price of a home here in California, Glenn. That is anywhere from 150% above the national average to 250% above the national average depending upon which study you read. God forbid, Larry Elders you want to do something about the outrageous rise in homelessness. Again, depending upon who you read, we have anywhere from 25% of the nation's homeless to 50% of the nation's homeless. And God forbid, Larry Elders you want to do something about the fact that for the very first time in our state's 170-year history, Glenn, people are leaving, businesses are leaving in droves. So that makes me, quote, the black face of white supremacy, end of
1: um Larry I'm I'm getting mixed signals uh I know that Soros has stepped up and put another five hundred thousand dollars behind uh Gavin Newsom right uh he did that this week which that seems like a panic move to me and then today I read not a chance not a chance the polls are crazy it's runaway for Gavin Newsom.
5: Yeah, George Soros has put uh, a great deal of money into the coffers of my opponent. Speaking of George Soros, he's responsible for that soft-on-crime DA that we have here called George Gascon, who's also facing a recall election. A bunch of victims of crimes, uh, and I had a press conference yesterday talking about all these people that should not have been let out uh, by, Gavin, by, uh, by George Gascon, who got his first job uh, as chief of police from a guy named Gavin Newsom, and Gavin Newsom was the mayor of San Francisco and then supported his candidacy when he became, when this guy ran for DA of Los Angeles. Uh, but they're scared to death, Glenn. They've raised a minimum of $50 million, probably closer to $75 million, from the usual suspects, the teachers' union, the public sector unions, Hollywood and big tech. I'm probably going to be outspent by a factor of almost 10 to 1. And they're panicking over another big factor that few people are talking about, Glenn. When I become governor, not if, but when I become governor, notice that you haven't seen Dianne Feinstein in weeks, if not months. I love this. I'm told she's in worse shape than Joe Biden. God forbid something should happen to Dianne Feinstein. Elder will replace her with a Republican senator, and that upsets the entire balance 50-50 that we have right now in the Senate in Washington. And they are scared to...
1: I have to tell you, Larry, I have thought about that. We've talked about it on the air here. I really believe if you are elected, when you are elected governor of California, this is a game changer and could be one of the major points of saving the nation. Sincerely,
5: I I, I believe that. And and what's going to happen here? Registered Democrats outnumber registered Republicans a little bit more than two to one. I'm going to change the image of the Republican Party. I'm common sense. You know me, Glenn. I do. I'm I'm low tax, low regulation, going to do something about the homeless problem, going to give parents choice in education so they don't send their kid to a school where only 75% of black kids can read at state levels of proficiency, and those levels are low. The mass scores are even worse. Eighty percent of the kids educated in our government schools are black and brown. And once they see some sort of improvement, the image of the Republican Party in California and all over the country is going to improve. And that's what they're deathly afraid of. I'm from the inner city. I went to a public high school. I wasn't born on third base and thought I hit a triple like my opponent. And I'm going to change the entire image of the Republican Party in California and, dare I say, the entire image of the Republican Party in the nation. And a whole bunch of people who are now Democrats are going to rethink their allegiance to that party.
1: So, Larry, has, have, have, the, have the voting public in California, do they have that short of a memory That this isn't a runaway for you when it comes to Gavin Newsom. I mean, his his low point had to be going out, you know, and what was it? Having a thousand dollar a plate dinner or whatever without a mask. Uh, Have they forgotten that he thinks he's king
5: well, that, and that's my job to remind them of it, and that's why I need more money, because if you cut on the TV out here in California, every other ad is Gavin Newsom. Uh, he's facing a recall election by the Republican takeover, and I need to remind people, you're quite right. He sat up there at the French Laundry Restaurant incurring a wine tab, just a wine tab, $12,000 sitting up there with the very people who passed the mandates that they were violating by not wearing masks and by not engaging in social distancing. Mm. Had his own kids enjoying in-person private education, mandating that you wear masks outdoors while his own kids at summer camp were outdoors not wearing masks. It's the arrogance that angered people, and it's my job to remind them of all that.
1: Uh, Larry, uh, I just want to, before we continue on, give me your address of where people can join your campaign and help finance your campaign.
5: They can go to electelder.com, electelder.com. And by the way, we have a voter integrity project, a bunch of lawyers all ready to go to file lawsuits in a timely fashion. If you see or hear anything that you think is irregular, uh, any kind of shenanigans, go to my website, electelder.com. There's also a volunteer button. Uh, so I really do need the help. And by the way, we have a recall committee, Glenn, where you can put an unlimited amount of money. I know you have a bunch of millionaires and billionaires who listen to your show. Let them know that they can send and spend an unlimited amount of money to help me make this somewhat of a fair fight.
1: Uh, by the way, the Dominion software is being used concerning
5: very concerning not only that glenn you can print your own ballot now you can contact the secretary of state and literally print your own ballot what could possibly go wrong jeez (sighs)
1: so how are you what are you putting into place uh to to try to make sure that this is fair at all
5: well, again, we have a, a bunch of lawyers already ready to go to file losses. We've already filed uh, some actions because of some irregularities that we've seen. But they are going to cheat. We, we know what happened in the 2020 election. They are going to cheat. But I think so many people are angry. Uh, they're going to be outvoted even though they're going to be cheating. Nearly one quarter of the people that signed the petition to recall this man voted for him just two years earlier. Sixty-five percent of Hispanics voted for him, and they're the largest group here in California. Now, the majority of Hispanics want him out. They're angry about the quality of education. They're not putting the best teachers, the best principals, the best administrators into the inner city. They're putting them in the west side. They're putting them in the valley. And so Hispanics and blacks know that they are being disproportionately negatively impacted by the teachers' union, the largest uh, and most powerful union here in California that desperately opposes school choice because the teachers were not automatic union members, and they don't get those automatic dues. Plus, the crime has gone up and the people who are disproportionately victimized by the crime are black and brown people that the left pride itself on caring about and the cost of living when people leave making between 50 and 100k here in california the number one reason they cite Glenn is they cannot afford the price of a home so all of those things are disproportionately negatively impacting uh hispanics again the largest group here in california and they've now turned against gavin newsom so again it's my job to remind them of all of that and i need the money so go to electelder.com on the on the replacement side glenn i have a huge lead over my rivals. I'm not worried about that part. But 50% plus one voter has the first vote to recall Gavin Newsom. And then the second part is, who do you want to replace him? On the replacement side, I'm far ahead of my rivals. I'm not worried about that. I want 50% plus one Californian, to vote to recall this man for all the reasons Lynn and I have been talking about. The rise in the cost of living, the rise in homelessness, the outrageous way this man ignored science, shut down schools, shut down businesses, while shutting down churches, while keeping liquor stores and, and marijuana dispensaries open as essential businesses. It's outrageous. A third of all small businesses are now gone forever here in California.
2: Larry, we know the the Republicans couldn't have done this by themselves. You needed independents and Democrats to make this recall even a possibility. Right. And now the governor is trying to make it seem like to that the the moderate to the, the conservative leaning Democrat that you're scary. You are not you're not California values. You're going to shut down all of their rights and all these things. What do you say to a moderate voter who who is worried you're going to be way too conservative and out of step with California?
5: Well, the, the the main driver of that is what I've said about mass mandates and vaccine mandates. Uh, I have not anti-vax, contrary to what, an ad that Gavin Newsom put out. Uh, I've been vaccinated. I'm in a high-risk category because of my age, because of another underlying comorbidity. Uh, but I don't believe you should be mandating these kinds of things. And to the extent uh, that we have mandates for state workers that we do right now, a state worker who's not been vaccinated has to be tested once a week, and he or she has to wear a face mask at work. Uh, when I become governor, that mandate will be repealed. But as for cities and, and local districts and local schools and, and uh, the private sector, uh, they're going to make their own decisions. So calm down. Larry Elder is not anti-vax. I think that vaccines are fine for people in certain categories, but other people have made a very different decision. Isn't that what freedom is all about? Why is that scary? And I've been asked about Roe v. Wade as if it has anything to do with why I'm running for governor, but if and when Roe v. Wade is overturned, and I believe uh, that it ought to be overturned, I'm pro-life, nothing's going to happen in a pro-choice state like California, for crying out loud. Two-thirds of the lawmakers uh, in Sacramento are Democrats. They're all pro-choice. There's nothing that suggests if and when Roe v. Wade is reverted back to the states where it should be, that all of a sudden, the Democrats are suddenly going to become pro-life. So calm down. I've also been attacked for saying that there shouldn't be a minimum wage. Do I think people should work for free? Do I think they will work for free drive around the city see all these help wanted signs it's ridiculous i'm running on crime i'm running on homelessness i'm running on the outrageous cost of living i'm running on the fact that this guy shut the state down while ignoring science while not abiding by the very rules and mandates he put down the throats of everybody else i'm running on the poor forest management i'm running Mm -hmm. on the fact that we're having energy brownouts that's what i'm running on
1: Larry, when is the vote
5: well, people can start voting now. Oh, uh, the actual vote is April, excuse me, September the 14th. But, but about 20% or so of people, based upon our surveys, have already voted. 80% of people are still making up their minds. So go to electelder.com uh, and throw something in the tip jar. And for those of you out here in California, vote now. Vote now. And if you don't trust the mail, you can track your ballot, and you can also drop it off at a voting center if you don't uh, believe that uh, the mail is reliable. So, But vote now. Vote right now.
1: Thank you so much, Larry. Uh, let us know anything we can do to help. I really, truly believe you getting uh, control of California is a life-saving game changer.
5: Well, Glenn, thank you for that. You didn't say anything about how raspy my voice sounds. Uh, one woman said I sound like Shaggy, uh, the uh, rapper, and she, she said it was sexy. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't need love from you on my voice, please.
1: Well, <laughs> you're sexy always, right. no matter what, right. what you sound like. Thanks, Larry. I appreciate it. I'll, I'll God bless.